0: Everybody. I hope you're doing well. It's kind of a little uh, more chilly yesterday than we're, we're used to, and even a little rain. How many of you kind of enjoy the rain like that? How many of you drank more coffee yesterday because of the rain? <laughs> we're so glad you're here. I've asked Pastor Christie to stay here just for a couple minutes because we have some really exciting things coming up in the video you just saw, King of the Hills series. It's about the Sermon on the Mount, and Pastor Christie oversees all of our small groups, and we have kind of a big event coming up. Tell us a little bit about the series and kind of what we can expect in it.
1: Okay, well, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, so it's really exciting that we're getting close to it. The King of the Hill series is going to be a 12-week sermon series here, and then it's also going to be a 12-week uh, small group series based on the Sermon on the Mount. So. Um it's going to be a very uh, intensely practical uh, small group series for you to go through as you get to know other people and talk about how that Sermon on the Mount intersects with your own circumstances and with the circumstances of the people that you're uh, meeting with from week to week. and um, so it's just going to be a really great opportunity for us to just de- uh, dig a little bit deeper in the things that we're uh, learning throughout the The weekend um, sermons and on Wednesday nights as well.
0: We're kind of connecting it all together, so we're preaching it on the the weekend, and then Wednesday night, Pastor Rob's taking a different angle, and the small group study is a different angle, and that's going to be fun, but there's kind of a big group event. You and your leadership team have worked on this Connect night, Monday night. Tell us about that. It's in this room. It's Mm -hmm. going to look a little different.
1: Yeah, it's going to be right here in this room on Monday, September 21st. So you might have seen some inserts, but if you um, haven't, you might want to just go ahead and write that date down. Um, That's going to be at 7 o'clock. It's going to look a little bit different in here because we're going to have all these chairs gone. We're going to have a bunch of tables, and each of those tables is going to represent an open small group. And so we'll have them grouped according to areas so that you can see which groups are being offered in the general vicinity where you live. And you'll be able to just um, grab some ice cream. It's going to be an ice cream social, um, which is great. Um, Ice ice
0: cream.
1: (laughs) We're not going to make any uh, messes in here or anything like that. (laughs) Well, maybe we might a little bit, but we'll be able to clean it up. Um, But anyway, it's just going to be an informal time, a really fun time for you to just mingle with um, people who are facilitating your group and with other people you are here that night for the very same reason which is to join one of these groups for the, the, the
0: beauty of this too is that you know you might find a table of a leader that's right in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that you just didn't even know was a part of timberline and then you can be part of their group and decide to walk mm-hmm. to their house on small group night and it's yes. over in 12 weeks so right. it's not like you're stuck in a group you hate for ever
1: <laughs> um,
0: but, but then but then you know if you don't really like that neighbor you could join another group and Some other town, uh, if you want to. (laughs) So hopefully you like your neighbor. But isn't it kind of spread out more this year, too? We have a lot of groups around. Yeah,
1: we really wanted to see if we could get more groups meeting in the outlying areas because that was some feedback we got from last year. So there are groups in Wellington, Greeley, Eaton, um, pretty much wherever you probably live. We're hoping that we'll have a group for you. So um, so if you live in one of those areas, don't be discouraged. You'll probably be able to find a group for that. So
0: We want everybody we're to come on that Monday night to sign up. But obviously, if you are deathly ill and can't, <laughs> otherwise I know you would be here, uh, you can go online right. and find the open groups. Yeah,
1: after that Group Connect event, we're going to be working really hard at putting all of the groups that are still open online. And so if you go to the website... And click on small groups, you'll see a listing of King of the Hill groups that are still open. And you can actually connect right online with one of those. So you will be able to join if you're deathly ill. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> we want everybody to come to that. And uh, let's say thanks to Pastor thanks. Christy. Great Thank job. You. We really do appreciate you. Wonderful. We, uh, we had a great time last weekend talking about being Leah. And if you were not here last weekend, I started a three-week series called Leaving a Legacy. What does it mean to leave a legacy? What does it mean to try to leave a legacy? Or is legacy something happens even if you don't try, based on your life and the quality of your life? Those are things we're going to talk about today. And uh, I'm excited about that. Um, this sermon, this message, this whole series is kind of coming out of a... Inspirational moment that I had with Dr. George Wood, as he delivered a sermon that he called "Your Legacy," and uh, it was on Leah. And so I just thought, I got to divide this up into three different weeks and go slower and timberline it and let it be filtered through my brain and outlines. And so I just appreciate him uh, having heart for that. But if you look up the the word legacy, because when I say, you know, are you leaving a legacy? If you had to complete this sentence, I am leaving a legacy by... What would you put? What would you write? How can you leave a legacy? The dictionary says this, It is what someone is remembered for or what they have left behind that is remembered, revered, or has impacted current events and present day. It's that in some ways which lives after you. Your life is still relevant after you die because of this event that happened in your life or this something in your life. I noticed one of the tables in the mall today, table two is finishers forum. It's all about that. If you're interested in finishing strong and leaving a legacy and want to go by that missions table to talk about what you do after retirement. Or you're thinking of retirement. Maybe you have 10, 20, 30 years you can spend your life doing meaningful things using your purposes for the glory of God. We are at constantly trying to do that at Timberline. We're trying to encourage you to live your life in such a way that you leave a legacy for others to follow. I, I love the story of a grandpa who was sitting in his easy chair at night and his little grandson came and climbed up on his lap Looked up into his grandpa's eyes and he said, Grandpa, can you make a sound like a frog? (laughs) His grandpa was taken back because this wasn't typical for this little guy to to do that. And he seemed pretty anxious about it. And the grandpa said, well, yeah, I I probably could. But the little boy just desperately kind of grabbed him and said, Grandpa, could you please make a sound like a frog? His grandpa kind of stepped back and said, "Well, yeah, I will, honey. But why do you want me to make a sound like a frog?" And his grandson said, "Because mom told dad when you croak, we can all go to Disneyland." <laughs> I kind of liked that joke. I kind of thought that was cute. <laughs> I'll tell you. What is your legacy? (laughs) Can you make a sound like a frog? You know, the point is that sometimes people think they've done a good job with legacy if they leave a little money. They leave a few items. You know, this plate goes back to great-grandma, and they got it in wherever, and it's on the wall. And that's nice. That's part of heritage and legacy, and I'm for that. I like that kind of stuff. But, you know, legacy goes way beyond material goods or Financial stuff. How many of you know that? Legacy actually goes into the core and the fabric of what's developing in somebody because of the things you were passionate about. Because of the things you cared about. Because of the kind of life you lived out loud while you had breath. And it, it made a mark on someone. It changed them. They were shaped by that sentence, that phrase, that lifestyle, that, that leadership. Something that came out of you, whether it was intentional or not intentional. Legacy is left in those ways. Just to review the story from last week, and then we'll jump into the outline on the back of your bulletin. But let me just say, Jacob wants to marry Rachel. Okay, This story is found in Genesis 29, kind of through Genesis 49. But Jacob comes and works for Laban. He falls in love with Rachel. He says, I want your younger daughter. Who was Rachel's sister? Leah. Leah was the older sister. The Bible actually said, we looked at it last week, that Rachel was the beautiful one. Leah was, sadly to say, our, our, our word in English would be homely. Something was wrong with her eyes. Don't, I don't know if it was a severe, nearsighted something. But, but Leah was not attractive like Rachel was. And she had a really tough life growing up with a sister like Rachel. And that isn't Rachel's fault. But it's just the truth. It's the facts of the story. Jacob loved Rachel. So he asked Laban, the dad, can I marry Rachel? Laban said, yes, work seven years for me. He worked seven years. He's getting married to who he thinks is Rachel. But Laban moves Leah into the tent that night and Jacob sleeps with Leah and he's married her, not Rachel. It was a trick. They woke up devastated. The Bible says when, when Jacob woke up, it was Leah. And I'm sure that, that was awful for Leah and Rachel and Jacob and, and everybody. You know, the whole challenge. And then the story goes on. So he marries Rachel and he agrees to work another seven years for Laban, and that's kind of where we pick it up. Leah is unloved. Being Leah last week is a sad, sad thing. Unless you look at her legacy. And today we're going to open that up. And I've called this Because of Leah. Not Being Leah, but Because of Leah. What we have now. Number one in your outline, all four of these points are kind of with the heading Because of Leah. Number 1, we learn how to face hardship. Because of Leah, we have an example. We have an idea because we know her journey. We know how she faced it and we can learn from it. Because she faced some tough stuff, some huge obstacles. Genesis 29:31, I read this is where I ended last week and I want to start here today and this is a really sad statement. But this is what the Bible says in Genesis 29, 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. That is a, that's a, it's a big deal. He enabled her to have children. But Rachel could not conceive. If you know the story here, Rachel later would conceive, but not at this time. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now, what? My husband will love me. She's equating the ability to have a son, which in this generation and this culture was the ultimate. Since I have a son. matter of fact, the name Reuben means behold a son. It's as though she takes the boy and puts him before Jacob and says, Behold a son. I have had a son for you. Now will you love me? Tough. That's hardship. But he did not. Not at this point. There's no indication that he changed his feelings for Leah. But here's what I want you to learn. Here's what I'm learning. Leah did not give up. Leah did not pout. You ever been around someone that just kind of goes and sits down and they just pout their way through the evening if they don't get their way? You don't see that in Leah. She shed some tears, but I don't see her as a self-absorbed powder. She never stopped loving her husband who did not love her back. It's huge. She did not run away. She didn't attempt suicide. She didn't leave the family. She didn't say, I'm just too overwhelmed, I can't do it anymore, I'm out of here. So many people in this culture that we live in bail just a little too quickly. Because I realize it's a tough time. And there are people that just are walking away from responsibility and commitments, and I want to challenge you to think and learn from Leah. Leah didn't have it easy. She had it tough. And she was smothered with many reasons why she could have bailed, but she didn't. What is it in our culture? We kind of want the quick fix. We kind of want to get out of the tough situation. We don't want to face our obstacles. I, I'm not a great fan of quitters. I mean, and there's a time you might have to step back and something. I remember a kid at youth camp. We used to go to these youth camps. Anyone grow up going to youth camp? So much fun with this one kid. He was really good at horseshoes. And he always won the tournament. But if you were ever playing him and it wasn't the tournament, um, and he started getting behind to the level that he didn't think he could catch up, he would just quit. He would just throw the horseshoes down and walk away. And he would say, oh, I don't feel good. Or, you know, "This i got to go meet so-and-so. Or just some lousy excuse. And, man, we hated that. Because the time you could get him, he would quit on you. <laughs> I thought of that this week when I was thinking about quitters. Don't be a quitter. I mean, there's a time to change some things in your life. I get that. But pay attention to what you've committed to. Leaving a legacy means that you're going to go through the hard times as well as the good times. And it's not always going to be good times. In marriage, in raising kids, in jobs, in situations, in your health, there are going to be some valleys. We need to know that. I love what Virginia Massey. many of you know Don in Virginia Massey. she handed me a little note last night and she said, this is on my refrigerator. And it says this, quote, I'm not a quitter, I'm a multiple starter. <laughs> I'm going to relate to that. I like that. Okay, number two, because of Leah, there's another thing here, because of her. We learn to rely on the Lord rather than to seek the approval of others. Now, we're going to see something in Leah's life here in a second that I personally think is when the light came on in a spiritual sense for Leah. And the text doesn't jump out and say it, but it definitely indicates a change in her. So I'm going to read verses 33 and following, but I want you to think about the process of change in, in Leah's mind. When do you see something new and something different? Okay, here we go. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, the Lord heard, Simeon means to hear, heard that I was unloved and was and has given me another son. She became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. She named him Levi. And by the way, remember that name because we're going to come back to that later. For she said, notice her quote, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. Do you just feel her, her want and her need? Verse 35, Once again Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. For she said, Now I will praise the Lord. You notice the change? Where's husband in there? Where's I hope he notices? What happened in Leah? I really believe, because this is a matter of years. How long does it take to make a baby? To have a baby? Is it nine months? I've never personally had one, but I know it must be exciting. You ladies who have had that. So we're talking about multiple years here. She's going through this anguish. There's sorrow. There's a challenge. And yet, she has Judah, and there's no, oh, now he's going to love me. There's just this resolve that says, Now I will praise the Lord. That's what Judah means. Praise unto God. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I think she figured out emotionally and a mindset that said, I can't live the rest of my life just trying to make people love me. I can't put all of my energy just trying to please somebody who I may never be able to please how much of your life and my life is lived out to try to please someone else her whole life up to this point is pleasing her husband jacob finding worth through her performance of having male children and now finally we see a moment where she just says you know what i don't get all the circumstances but lord i will praise you sometimes in our lives you guys that's the answer We don't know why we're going through this hardship. We can't make everybody happy. You can't keep your boss satisfied. You're in a marriage where you can never do enough. The kids expect too much. Oh, well, what would it be like for you to live for an audience of one? God, your maker, and make sure you please Him. Because I believe when you please God, you probably please a whole lot of other people in your life as well. Now, I want to be careful with this. Because if you're a married man here and your wife tomorrow says, would you mind emptying the trash? And you say, nope, don't give a rip about the trash. I'm only here to please God. (laughs) That would be a problem. How many of you understand that? Because loving your wife and the way she needs to be loved is pleasing to God. Right? So take out the trash before she has to ask you. What other notes did I get from women to say here? Um... (laughs) Do you think it's a nagging feeling to try to live your life only to be accepted by other people? It's a terrible feeling. Because your value is based on what you're doing rather than who you are. That's what Leah's life was like until she'd had enough. And you guys, there's some point in your life when you have to step back and say, You know what? I can't make everybody happy. But I can please the Lord and I can praise my God even through trial, even in my tears, even in my pain, even with rejection. I will choose to praise God. Wow. It's a huge thing. That's how you get through adversity. I love a quote from David Brinkley. It's this. A successful person is one who can lay a foundation with the bricks others have thrown at them. That is exactly what Leah did. She took the heartache and the pain and she laid a foundation that would make a difference for all of us. The third thing because of Leah... Now this starts to get pretty exciting here. It's the first glimpse we have... Because of Leah, we learn that some things take a lifetime. It's kind of the first glimpse we have of her seeing a shift with Jacob. And it's not super obvious. I wish we could have heard Jacob say some statements that made us see it, but it happens in a kind of a roundabout, strange way. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 49 in a minute, but I want to preface it. I want you to know what I'm reading. Jacob is dying. He's literally going to die after he makes this statement. It's his last wish list. He's talking to his kids. And he's referring to a cave that his forefathers bought from the Hittites. And who all was buried in this cave. Remember, in this culture, where you're buried is a big deal. And who you're next to when you die is a big deal. That's why this is a very significant moment as it relates to Leah. Genesis forty nine thirty one. He's saying to His kids, There in this cave, Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There, Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried. And there, I buried Leah. Now, that's like a big moment because Leah hasn't been talked about in a long time. And it's like, What? You you buried Leah in that place? We thought you would put Rachel there. But no, Rachel was buried in Bethlehem. It is the plot of land and the cave that my grandfather Abraham bought from the Hittites. When Jacob had finished this charge to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and joined his ancestors in death. You see, Leah outlived Rachel. Rachel died first, but she wasn't buried in that cave. I don't know why. I personally believe that Jacob was having a change of heart. He was seeing Leah, mother of these kids. He was seeing, he was falling in love with her. All Leah ever seemed to want was to be loved by her husband Jacob. And now, at the end, he requests to be buried by her. It's shocking that Jacob chose to bury Leah, not Rachel, in this place with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah. It's the place he would be put to rest. And here's Leah in this spot. And what's so sad to me is that Leah never knew it. You know, they couldn't lay there in the grave and Leah would be like, oh man, finally I got you. But it's a huge thing. That his final resting place would be next to Leah. As a matter of fact, it's so huge that theologians and Is- Israelis actually have a song that they sing yet today about Jacob's words to Leah. And I have the song here, and I'm going to sing it in Hebrew for you. <laughs> so I want you to hold on to the sides of your seat. No, I, I will not sing it. Say thank you. Okay. And I will tell you the English translation, but the name of the song is called quote, I Love Thee, Leah, In quote, sung by Jacob. Here's the refrain. Here many days have gone by, and my two hands have become weary. This is significant. And your two eyes have become beautiful like the eyes of Rachel. I love thee, Leah. I love thee, proud. If I forget thee, Leah, my name shall not be Israel. That's all. Just shed a tear here. It's touching. It's touching. May seem not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. Leah was found faithful and buried next to the man she desperately wanted to have her love him. Have her, have Him love her. That would be her final resting place. Now, I want you... We're going to take a bird's eye view for point four. Because of Leah, number four, we have a powerful legacy to ponder and talk about. A huge thing happens over the next few hundred years. Now, even saying that is tough. Because... Sometimes we don't have the ability in our lifetime to see the whole empowerment of our lives lived out on the earth. But we see it now, and I'm glad we can take note of it. You know, we look at the life of Leah, especially last week, and we often sort of think how tragic, how sad it was. Not realizing the impact she had on the world. God had something big in mind through Leah She didn't know it. I don't believe she could feel it. I don't think she saw it in her whole lifetime. But it wasn't the final tapestry. God was building a tapestry. You know that beautiful analogy. Here we have Leah. Her father forced her into marriage. Her sister resented her. Her husband did not begin to love her really until the very end. And yet through Leah, we have All of this. Those of you who know Scripture and the kings, you'll appreciate this a lot. If you're a new Christian, trust me, this is big, what I'm about to say. The priestly line in the Bible comes through Leah's third son, Levi. Remember him? Levi. The Levites. And in that line come Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Without Leah, there is no Levi. No Moses. No first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There are no Ten Commandments. There is no departure of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. From Leah, we learn to never give up. To never give in. To never sit down in self-pity. To never blame God. But walk in the truth. Do what you can. Trust God for the outcome. It was Leah's fourth son, Judah, who became the ancestor of King David and King Solomon. Without Leah, we have no Judah. Without Judah, we have no Boaz, David, or Solomon. Without David or Solomon, we do not have the Psalms. We do not have the Proverbs. We do not have Song of Songs or Ecclesiastes. From Leah comes not only the high priests and priests, and the Levites of Israel, but also the kings of Judah. Now think about this. This includes Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Hezekiah, Josiah. Additionally, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel all appear to be priests, therefore descendants of Leah. Ezra the scribe was a priest and thus from Leah. Nehemiah probably was from Judah and therefore also a descendant of Leah. And ultimately, the key players, this blows my mind, in the Christmas story derived from Leah. Mary and Joseph belong to Judah. Judah's the fourth son of Leah. Remember Elizabeth and Zechariah? They belong to Levi, the third son of Leah. Their son, John the Baptist, likewise belongs to Leah. In summary, without Leah, there is no Judah. Without Judah, there is no David. Without David, there is no Jesus. Without Jesus, we have no salvation. The people of the Christmas story are basically Leah's kids. And Leah never knew it. Leah left a legacy. I wonder if in heaven there's ever a moment... I don't know how heaven works... But I have wondered sometimes as people in heaven can take a glimpse at what we're doing down here. I would just love it if somehow an angel would take Leah over and say, Hey, look down there at Timberline, they're talking about you today. Leah would be like, I know, it's the second week in a row, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I hope she knows that though she can't take the moment back, I appreciate her suffering. I appreciate her faithfulness. I appreciate the fact that she didn't take her life. She didn't run off. I appreciate the fact that she hung in there. Even though she was unloved, unwanted, felt rejection, she didn't quit. And for some of you today, you just need to hear that. You just need to know that no matter what you're going through, don't give up. There is a God who can help build a legacy through your life if you will remain faithful. God will help you do that. You can trust Him. You know, I think of even the, the spread of the Gospel to the Gentiles. That's most of us. Came through one of Leah's descendants, Barnabas. He was a descendant of Levi. just goes on and on. Leah had no idea that her trials would result ultimately in the priestly line, the kingly line, that a great deal of the Bible would be left out if she hadn't been faithful. She never knew it. And I guarantee you she didn't know that the earthly side of Jesus came from her DNA. But it did. And we have her story to prove it. You see, it takes time and distance for you to understand legacy. Some of the people who left the greatest legacies never knew they did. And they weren't trying to leave it. They simply lived their life in a manner that was noteworthy, And people noticed it, and it changed the course of history. Don't give up on that kid. Don't give up on grandpa. Don't give up on that student that you teach. You pour into them. You keep encouraging them. Oh, you're not just a stay-at-home mom. You're a life builder. Oh, I'm just taking kids to soccer. No, you're not. You're changing the course of their future. You don't just have a job. You have a calling. You're touching shoulders. You're being a part of something much bigger than yourself. You want to leave a legacy? Then you choose to Judah. You choose to praise God. You choose to keep your chin up. You choose to face adversity. Oh, there'll be tears. There'll be challenges. I know. I get that. But God is still God. And He'll partner with you to help you. I want to pray with you. Would you join me? Lord, thank you for Leah. Wow. Thank you. Let people see right here that if their life seems all messed up right now, there's more. If they feel trial and suffering, it's not the real picture. Let them know that. The injustice, pain, and trouble that they're enduring now is not the whole picture. It's just a moment in time. Show us that our legacy is to be, term- be determined by a deeper us, a steadfast us. A solid resolve, a commitment of the will that says, I will trust God even in this tough time. Help us, Lord. I want to pray over a couple things. First of all, those of you that would say, man, I need endurance to go through what I'm going through. It's painful. See, Leah never ignored her pain. It wasn't like she was in denial. And I'm not suggesting today that you just blow it off and say, oh, well, who cares? No, you need to care. It's going to make you cry. It's sad. It's hard. I get that. But it's saying, I need God to give me the endurance that I will not quit. That I will persevere. That I will press through. That the character and integrity of my life will mark me and my world forever. I need that kind of determination. Let me pray over you if that's you. Hold your hand up if that's you. okay. Just hold it up. Don't be afraid. You can put it down. Lord, thank you. In both of these auditoriums today, there is power by Your Spirit to change our thinking and our mindset. That You are a God who partners with us to make a huge difference in our future. And I pray that we will see beyond this trial and even beyond this life that we live. That there is more. That we can walk with You and we can trust You with it. Lastly, I want to pray for those of you that... You just need to have a moment where you just say, praise God anyway. I mean, it's just maybe you're fine. Maybe you're living in the fullness of God. But but there hasn't been an ability to kind of just praise God through the sorrow and praise. It doesn't mean you're happy all the time. I'm not talking about a giddy personality. I'm talking about a deeper resolve that says, I will choose to live for God. I will choose to acknowledge that God is good, even though I go through affliction and trial and rejection I'm trusting my God. How many of you need that today? Just lift your hand. Okay. It's probably all of us. Lord, help us to have that resolve as we walk out of here today. That we might live in such a way that we will offer praise to you in every aspect of our life. Even the moments we don't understand, we'll say, you're bigger than my thought process. Lastly, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your friend, as your Savior, as your Lord, The Bible says if you confess with your mouth your sins and believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, you will be saved. It's a powerful statement, but it takes that act of faith from your own free will. So I challenge you today, say it with me. If you don't know Christ, if you're separated because of sin, just pray. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I give you my life and my future. And I willingly accept forgiveness by faith. And I choose to walk with you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Stand with me if you're able to, would you please? I want you to think this week about how you're building legacy. Next week we're going to talk about beyond Leah. And we're going to really open it up. And I'm going to really attempt to try to give us some practical ideas and ways that we can be intentional about trying to build legacy in our lives to make a difference in the kingdom. But this week, your assignment, is, if you'll accept it, is just to say, God, show me what I'm doing in my life to either take away legacy or to add to it. And let me continue to cross the path of Aaliyah to encourage them forward. Prayer team, would you come in both auditoriums right now? They're going to be up here. If some of you just want to pray with someone, come and find a friend to pray with. I love you. Lord, go with us now. Thanks for your grace and mercy. Send us out of here inspired and encouraged to go make a legacy and to trust you with our future, even after our lifetime. In your name we ask it. And everyone said, Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for being at Timberline. Have a great weekend.